Yeah, so you've had a good week. Yeah, we just come back from uh, Worthing Oktoberfest. Worthing, in case this makes the cut, is a small town in the south of England and it has an Oktoberfest festival where everyone dresses like Germans and drinks lots of beer. Did you dress like a German? I didn't dress like a German, but I am quarter German, so I dressed like a German on the inside. Okay. And after a couple of steins, felt a undeniable urge to invade West Sussex. <laughs> Excellent. <Annex> our very, <laughs> our very, our very nineteenth century and how very dark ages at the same time. <laughs> you, you ticked two Germanic boxes there. I did. Very good. I do club a Germanic box, Tom. <laughs> Getting the accents in early. Absolutely. How's your week been? Ch- sick children, so I was on oh. sole parenting duty for the whole of Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Vom watch. <laughs> I was on Vom watch, yeah. Like, he wasn't actually too ill. What happens is the, a, a one-year-old gets a bit of a sickness and the nursery basically reject them and say, no, we don't want everyone else to get this, even though they've probably already got this and just aren't showing symptoms. Yes. We still don't want him. So, yes, he wasn't allowed in because he had hand, foot, mouth which is now what all the other kids are going to be having this week. Hand, foot, mouth. Not, not foot and mouth. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot more serious. Yeah. CJD, is it CJD? No, that's mad cow disease, which also... Well, actually, it's not really contagious, so unless the toddlers are eating each other, uh, you're probably not going to catch that. Is it the same as mad cow disease? I don't think no, it is. No, no, no. No, they are completely no. different diseases. No, mad cow yeah. disease is essentially okay. fast onset. I mean, it's not, but it's a bit like fast-onset dementia caused by eating cows that have it. And they got it from eating the brains of other cows mixed in with cow food. <laughs> Lovely. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Farmer Joe. <laughs> um, with your massive freak show. That's something entirely different. Farmer Joe's massive freak show. <laughs> a pig with three legs. <laughs> My beautiful wife, who looks like a pig. <laughs> Farmer Joe, you've literally just glued the leg of another pig onto that pig. Yeah, it's a mystery through the ages. <laughs> and look at this, I've got a bearded sheep. That, that's a goat, Farmer Joe. That's a goat. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> For if it was a goat, could I milk it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want my dollar back. <laughs> All I've seen so far on this journey into a wonderland of weird farm animals is a mad farmer tossing off a goat. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not happy. I want my money back. Did you notice we've received some positive feedback? I did. Thanks to the person who said that we're officially their second favourite podcast. Yeah. yeah. Backhanded compliment. <laughs> Do you know what, Tom? No, genuinely. I will take being second favourite. <laughs> I think she was genuinely being very flattering. I, we can't be the best at everything, Sam. This is That Was Genius. It's officially one user's second favourite podcast <laughs> in which Tom, who's the other chap over there, who despite what he sounds like lives in New Zealand. Hello, that's, that's me. That's him. And I, Sam, who despite what I sound like live in the UK, discuss history topics on a theme each week. The theme's decided a week beforehand, but everything else is a surprise. We don't know really what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Frankly. Quite accurate, yeah. <laughs> it's not that the other of us don't no know what we're talking idea. about. <laughs> really, we don't Chunks know ourselves. Winging it, Sam. <laughs> I've no fucking idea what I'm talking about today. It's frankly dubious calling us a history podcast. Definitely dubious calling us a, a comedy podcast. Uh, no, I I think we do generally prepare, don't we? Yeah. 
to a degree. <laughs> I've got a page of notes in front of me. I've got a page of notes in front of me too, so we should probably... Sh- oh, fuck you. I bet your font's big because you're so thick you can't read proper font. <laughs> <laughs> it's Comic Sans as well. Thought I'd set the tone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comic Sans, I bet your title has been done in word art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clip art. And it's all in. It's in pink comic sans and yellow comic sans a bit like the menu at a cheap hotel restaurant <laughs> we should probably get on with it shouldn't we tom I mean, we've talked about freak shows and we've talked about sick kids uh which leads us very well onto our topic today well actually the sick kids leads us very well onto our topic the freak show bit doubly so for me what is our topic this week tom this week is health week Health week. How have you found it, Tom? Easy peasy. Good. I've come up with a topic. Well, I suggested the topic, didn't I? You which did. Is... <laughs> which usually means that you've got something in line. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had something prepared a couple of weeks ago. So, no, I found this one quite easy with the research. I was straight in there. Good, good, good. How about you? I thought initially that I would go down the kind of the typical route of old health crazes and all of that kind of stuff. But it's been done. Yes. It's been done. That's... <laughs> and I'm doing it again. <laughs> Yes, you Have are. you got a problem with that, Sam? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I was going to go down the line of old diets and things like this and strange things that were supposed to oh, I'm not cure doing leprosy. That, no, I'm not doing that. that would be silly. Yes, that would be silly. But uh, So instead, I, I looked up kind of odd sporting events and odd sporting crazes and went down that line with Ooh. health. I found a peach, Tom. I found something truly ridiculous and incredibly funny and utterly heartbreaking so... oh an emotional roller coaster i'm looking it forward is to an it. emotional roller coaster it really is yeah tears laughter joy absolutely oh it's gonna be everything that could almost be an advert for the thing that i'm talking about today oh i'm excited yeah. i feel my emotions on the edge of their seat yeah so i'm doing a freak show <laughs> i actually am you are doing a freak show yeah of sorts good <laughs> right should we flip something? <laughs> Let's flip something. Let's flip something healthy. Have you got anything health related? <laughs> I do, actually. And my God, Tom, what a treat the audience are in for. I have a referral letter for the NHS, God bless the NHS, for a colonoscopy. <laughs> We've already done this one. It's already... a... No, Tom, it's a second colonoscopy. <laughs> You're having a follow-up. I think, yes. A follow-up or a follow-through, Excellent. depending on... Uh, yes. Did you, did you enjoy the first one that much? <laughs> oh, oh, it was a treat I have for the to book in for a second. <laughs> Must do this again. Oh. When are you next available? <laughs> I need to book in straight away. Oh, three-month waiting list. Yes. Worth it. Worth it for the lovely consultant with his lubricated camera on a stick. <laughs> it's, a, it's a selfie stick like you've never seen before. Oh, Facebook Live. <laughs> do you know what? Being the media whore that I am, desperate for content, I would totally do that. It was really, it's you really would bend weird. over and take it up the arse for, for social media. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, podcasting isn't taking off as I'd hoped. So. <laughs> no. So what they what they do is it's they they put you in this kind of like they put this magnetic ring around you so that they can detect where the camera. <laughs> Shut up. They can detect where the camera is. And then they... <laughs> Why are you volunteering this information? Because it's genuinely quite interesting. Sorry, there's a might be a tier police car behind me. 
No, what they do is they put this <laughs> ring around you, and then they they've got this camera on a stick. It genuinely is like a giant selfie stick that looks a little bit like the chest bursting thing from Alien, the chest burster. Oh yeah, yeah, John Hurt. And then moment. they, yeah, yes, and then they 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 put it up you, and basically, oh, they don't like a muffin, <laughs> do they? Sir? Or don't they? Ooh, they don't like it up them. <laughs> Great Dad's Army reference, and uh, and you can see because of the the magnet around you, they can see which way the camera's pointing. So you can see this little wiggly worm camera on a separate computer screen. You can kind of see which way it's facing, and it sort of waves and wiggles at you. It's really very interesting. Can, can you like move it around with a gentle fart? <laughs> well, well, Tom, <laughs> it sort of floats off a little bit like it's in space. Well, Tom, there's two there's two ways that they can create space for the camera to move around inside you. <laughs> And um, <laughs> way way number one is they do it with jets of water, which uh, <laughs> so you get a, a nice cleanse as well. Yes, absolutely. And at one point, the nurse was doing a crossword or something, so the consultant was like, uh, "Nurse, nurse, the line is full. Nurse, <laughs> can I have vacuum, please?" And I was like, of course, this is all happening behind me. I'm just watching myself on TV going, oh, it really does add 10 so pounds, doesn't it? <laughs> so meanwhile, what's so meanwhile you're gripping hard on the side of the bed? <laughs> <laughs> this will show that nurse. <laughs> what's behind me? Fucking sitting having a crossword. <laughs> what's behind me? She's thrown a Sudoku round in panic whilst desperately trying to grab the Dyson. <laughs> but the other way, Tom... The other and even better way, which really is quite uncomfortable, is that it's got an airline <laughs> attached to the camera and they literally inflate you like a balloon. Oh, right. And you have never farted like the farts you get after being artificially <laughs> inflated from the back forward. Like a Zeppelin. <laughs> like a Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> like the Hindenburg. <laughs> and I tell you what... <laughs> Oh, the explosion afterwards. Oh, Christ. The mo- yeah, the moment they remove the camera. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, got that fun to look forward to in a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> Thank you, Sam, for being willing to... Um... Uh, be willing to regale us with it's this important anecdote. we talk about these matters Tom it's important we talk about these matters <laughs> oh dear mm. well done you yeah. good job anyway eat, oh, so what are we eat your fibre kids right uh, <laughs> top tips of the day yes so we're going to flip it you can have the side that's essentially blank or the side that uh, gives you directions to the endoscopy unit Excellent. Always enter through the back door. Uh, yes, yes, there was, there was. But um, tush. <laughs> there was an obvious joke there that one of us was going to take. Um, <laughs> yes. Sorry, the consultant made that joke when I went in there as well, making light of the situation. Really? <laughs> yes. Right, which side do you want, Tom? I'll, I'll have the blank side, please. Okay. Flipping. There we go. It's it's landed on the front side. I mean, I choose and. Little known fact for the audience at home, the clock's changed in New Zealand this week, so Tom is very, very sleepy, and I'm going to let him go first. Right, yes, I'm going to discuss this week the pineal gland, also known as the third eye. Is this one of your favourite glands? Oh. Have you heard of this gland? Oh, I literally Presumably you have cannot. a hierarchy of glands. I do, yeah. Pituitary, very nice, one of my favourites. That's your favourite. Sweat. Excellent. Also oh, useful. you like your sweat glands. I do. I make, <laughs> I make good use of them. As anyone who's had to sit next to me on public transport after having to run for a bus will attest. 
But after that is the pineal gland, which in conjunction with the third eye sounds very, very, very much like penis. Yes, well, I didn't think it would take you long to go down that route. Uh, Well, I Um, assume that's why you chose it. (laughs) No, 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 it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Shame on you for thinking that way, Sam. (laughs) What a naughty, rude, childish person you are. I have no idea what you're on about. let, Let me tell you what the pineal gland is from a medical, factual, scientific perspective first is it Let's bullshit get bit over and done with. <laughs> is it no, made up bullshit? The bullshit is yet to come oh there is plenty of bullshit to come today no this this <laughs> is this, this is the proper bit this is the sensible bit so, okay it's an endocrine gland which means it secretes hormones and it secretes the hormone melatonin which is an important hormone for regulating sleep patterns ah this gland is located sort of above and behind the eyes in the middle front section of the brain. I guess that's a good way of describing it. So it's, it's basically in your head. It's in your noggin, Sam. Got it. It may also play a role in regulating menstrual cycles, Sam, but yeah. that's enough about that. We don't want to talk about ladies' menstruation. I mean, it's a bit taboo, isn't it? We're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we, have, we have limits, don't we, Sam? We have standards. We do, we do. Prudish is what we are. Yes, but in truth, it probably has something to do with the fact that most animals mate seasonally. So it's good to know when the right time of year is to to have a shag. Birthday, possibly, (laughs) if I'm good. (laughs) Spring is in the air, feeling a spring in my step and a zing in my gonads. So it's quite possible that this gland plays a role in that. Tis the season to be horny, la 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 la. Girls turn their beauty, men get brawny. Tra la 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 la. It's like Love Island. Blame the pineal gland. Spring is in the time to get it on. Anyway, did you make that up as you went along? No, I prepared that. <laughs> You've months written that down in, the in, making. Your, in your notes. Months in the making. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, beautiful. So the pineal gland is present in most. I think it's present in almost all vertebrates. Vertebrates. <clears throat> Let me try that again. <laughs> It's present in almost all Considering you're reading this from the side of an ice cream lolly, one of those ones that prints facts down the side, <laughs> you're doing an awfully... I'm trying to stop myself coughing at the same time. <clears throat> Did you get this from the Ladybird, my first book of glands? <laughs> stop patronising me, thank you very much, Mr Comic Sans. <laughs> Mr Comic Sans, I like things up my bum. There's two bits of formally edited out conversation that are now going to have to make the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's closely connected to pineal gland in evolutionary terms, to the parietal eye, which is possessed by many lizards, tuataras, frogs, and also fish, but not possessed by mammals. As with the pineal gland, the parietal eye's function is to regulate sleep through registering levels of light. This is basically like a third eye that these animals have. So in evolutionary terms, at some point, these two things have separated off and gone down different evolutionary routes. So the pineal gland is shaped like a pine cone, hence the name. So pineal comes from pi- the same origins as the word pine. And it's about the size of a pea. The gland commonly calcifies as we get older, making it quite visible on x-rays. But this is perfectly normal. It's just part of the normal ageing process, just like your joints calcify slightly as you get older. So that is the medical, factual, scientific overview of the pineal gland. Now... Let's turn to the history of the pineal gland, Sam. Not evolutionary history, but the history of our understanding of the pineal gland. Okay. And I'm going to go to René Descartes, or as Ponzi people call him, Descartes. Those wankers. I know, pretentious prats. In English, René the car. (laughs) 
That's a bit of French for you. <laughs> is that what Descartes means? No, of course it isn't. It's for the 17th century. I don't think there were cars in them, were there? It'd be René Le Voiture. would be René the car. I'm being a twat, Tom. I know. I know. What does... Anyway. <laughs> what does René mean? Uh, it's just French for runny. <laughs> Crack on. Anyway. René Descartes, 17th century French philosopher. Famous for the phrase, I think, therefore I am. And I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to quote it in the hope that it makes me sound smart. In the hope that it gets you laid. I'm also going to... I think, therefore I am. Oh! You're so witty. So clever. I'm also going to occasionally use terms like Neoplatonism, with no real understanding of why a branch of philosophy was named after a type of ice cream. But, um... Hey... That's my top joke of the week. <laughs> oh God, my, is that as good as it gets? That was my favourite joke <laughs> in all my in all my notes. <laughs> anyway, I'll keep talking about Descartes like, as a historical figure, not about his philosophy, because that's not what this podcast is about, is it, Sam? This podcast is a rather silly history podcast. Yes, not a highbrow philosophy podcast. No, exactly. Although sometimes without trying, anyway, we are pretty deep. Interestingly, in 1619, when stationed in Bavaria as a mercenary officer... Descartes had one of the first recorded incidents of exploding head syndrome. Oh, wow. Sacre bleu. It would appear that my head has just exploded. Is it because of all my knowledge? <laughs> I'm so clever. It just was building up inside of me and exploded all over the ceilings, the walls, the floor. <laughs> one minute it was sitting on my shoulders as it always has. And the next, poof, lip up. <laughs> I do not even know where my voice is coming from. Just the gargling remains of my esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely image. Oh, oh, so, to be fair, Tom, exploded head sounds like a traditional French cuisine. <laughs> they, they eat fucking stranger things. Exploding frog is on the <laughs> menu tonight. Anyway, have you have you heard of exploding head syndrome? I know. No, I haven't. It sounds awful. It sounds dreadful, doesn't it? It sounds... It's an unusual type permanent. of... Permanent. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. It's chronic. It's not something you're going to survive. <laughs> sounds a bit like, yeah, a bit like JFK, isn't it? Exploding head syndrome. Oh. Back and to the left. Too Back soon. Back and to the left. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unusual type of auditory hallucination experienced by people when they are either going to sleep or waking from sleep. And it's... A loud sound, often accompanied by a flash of light. Oh. Not a real flash of light, but the perception. He supposedly came to, from this strange little episode, with a new understanding of mathematics and geometry. Presumably something to do with cranial liquid dynamics, I don't know. But anyway, that was an interesting thing I found out about René Descartes. Back to the pineal gland. Back on track. Descartes refers to the pineal gland in his first book, The Treatise of Man... And in his last book, The Passions of the Soul, and he considered the pineal gland to be, and I quote, the principal seat of the soul and the place in which all our thoughts are formed. And one of Descartes' key philosophical beliefs was the separation of the body and the soul. So here we start to have the origins of some pseudoscience bollocks. Sweet. That's what I came here for. That's what I came here for. (laughs) We're getting on to the good stuff shortly. Ah, excellent. You'll be seeing this advertised in homeopathic remedy shops by morning. That is pretty much what, <laughs> where the pineal gland has gone in the last hundred years. <laughs> in the 19th century, a Russian charlatan and spiritualist, sorry, bit of tautology there, called Helena 
Blavatsky connected the pineal gland with a third eye concept that is apparent in Hinduism, Buddhism and Taoism. This third eye in these religions is is often like a gateway to a higher state of consciousness or or enlightenment. Mm. And it's often depicted as an eye on the forehead. Yes. There have been some very limited studies from what I've seen that suggest that the pineal gland can also produce psychoactive substances. Ooh. But yeah, it's not it's not fantastic. How would you how would there. you do this? How would you get it to create psychoactive substances just so that I can avoid obviously doing banana skins. D- really? Dry and smoking skins. banana skins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a nice tenuous arc there <laughs> yeah. to a previous episode. Yeah. Can't remember when. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember if it made the cut. Yeah. In a nutshell, the pineal gland has developed into a subject area of pseudoscience and bullshittery. And I first came across it when I was listening to a famous British bodybuilder whose name will remain unsaid, although I'm sure you'll be able to work out who it is, on a nutjob radio show talking about um, a conspiracy to calcify everyone's pineal gland with fluoridated water Ooh. to stop them reaching a higher realms of consciousness. Interesting. Which is suggestive of a few too many steroid injections and forced reps, I think. <laughs> Might this have been? <laughs> yeah. How many British bodybuilders have won Mr. Universe five times? Um, I don't know. Anyway, and this is quite a widespread conspiracy theory when I started looking into it. Ranging from the slightly neurotic health nuts who just think that fluoride should be removed from water supplies because it makes their brain work slightly slower because of the calcification of the pineal gland, to full out, it's the Rothschilds controlling our minds. Hold on. I had a thought about the Rothschilds. Shit. They know I'm thinking about them. <laughs> ah! so, um, so it gets onto full-on nut jobs. And I, in my research, came across, as an example, I, I thought I would choose a website that nicely highlighted the stupidity of this sort of pseudoscience around the pineal gland. So here's a quote. <clears throat> but do you want to hear the best part? Back then, it would take months or even years of severe training to activate the pineal gland. However, nowadays, we have so much more access to anything. With the right amount of belief and motivation, you can actually activate your pineal gland in a matter of weeks by consistently practicing and listening to energetically programmed audio. (laughs) Are you sold? Wow. (laughs) I'm sold. Also, energetically programmed audio just sounds like breakfast shock jocks doesn't it <laughs> by listening to the greatest hits of the 80s 90s and today you can genuinely produce psychoactive substances in your mind by double glazing <laughs> that was kind of the voice i was emerging into as well i was, I was trying was. to do a, an infomercial voice but it yeah. did sound a little bit like a bad dj <laughs> yeah consistently practicing and licensing to energetically programmed audio energetically programmed audio from the bbc you're listening to tony blackburn here until nine now traffic and travel watch out if you're on the highways it's chaos out there and after that shawaddy waddy <laughs> i did used to work in Very local good. radio by the way the reason that sounds so frightfully convincing is because that's that was me living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you go down that route? Were you really putting on the accent? Only when I was taking the piss. I remember for a while you did go slightly Jeremy Clarkson. I did. I still am. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> the second best podcast in the world. <laughs> Let's take it for a ride. <laughs> the Ford Cortina sports a two-litre engine with 110 horsepower. Now let's hear those ponies purr. <laughs> Oh, dear. 
Here is Carry a on. list of foods, Sam, according to this website, that will cleanse your pineal gland. Oh, good. Turmeric. Good. Cacao beans. Green plants. Oh, this is and vegetables. Getting quite homeopathic. 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 Yeah. Homeopathic. <laughs> <laughs> Wild harvested spring water. Okay. Now, that's got me. Wild harvested spring water. As opposed to farm raised. <laughs> As opposed I, I, to, as opposed very to confusing, yeah, corn-fed, barn-raised spring water, free range. It's got to be free range, organic yeah, farm water. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds wild harvested spring water sounds to me like agricultural runoff. <laughs> that's what, it's, it's the way that's you, what it sounds like to it's me. It's the way you phrase it, Tom. Is this why you lost your job <laughs> at the Spring Water Marketing Board of New Zealand? <laughs> It rises through layers of slurry to reach your palate. <laughs> I just I don't even know how you'd harvest water. Well, you put a bottle in a stream. Yeah. It's not I don't think it's the most complicated process, but I wouldn't call that harvesting. I would call that collecting water. <laughs> Semantics. Anyway, uh, uh, reishi mushroom tea. We've gone from very vague green plants and vegetables to very specific reishi mushroom tea. Good. And I think that's reishi as opposed to racy. So it's not like kinky <laughs> mushrooms. Mushroom in a thong. Would you like some tea? Wow. <laughs> You've never been so awkwardly turned on. <laughs> oh, the other option is it could be racist mushroom tea. <laughs> <laughs> tea that whispers at you, I don't like gypsies. <laughs> you know I really fucking hate toadstools those fuckers those fucking toadstools coming over here red and white bastards mulching our dead wood material stealing our gnomes grass juices mm, that sounds tasty doesn't it it, it does oh yeah mm. mow the lawn and then blend it all up into a lovely smoothie delicious grass juices beets spelt with two e's as opposed to Apple cider vinegar. And, I mean, we basically started... Uh, that's quite common, isn't it? I know. We started with turmeric. We ended with apple cider vinegar. They're the two classic things that set off my bollocks alarm. Yes, it's starting to sound very much like a holistic Instagram Bullshit. influencer's account now. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. The apple cider vinegar does my head in. That's someone who works People in the fitness industry. People swear by it in fitness, don't they? Oh, I know. I know. But it's because they're full of shit. You won't be full of shit after the cleansing you'll get from reishi mushroom tea. Or grass juice. Or grass Christ. Juice. Anyway, so yeah, no thank you to any of that. Uh, here's another quote. Iodine. It is an essential supplement for pineal gland detox. Important note. Increased iodine intake might decrease your calcium levels. Be sure to eat calcium-rich foods such as kale, flax seeds, broccoli, etc. Are we trying to... Calcify or decalcify your pineal gland. I mean, I'd imagine you'd avoid calcium products if you were trying to decalcify your pineal gland. But hey, yes, who knows? Well, I mean, you've started avoiding science, so you might as well go the whole hog and avoid everything else. I suppose so. Here's one final quote, and it just also highlights how illiterate the person was who, who wrote the content for this website. <clears throat> A higher level of consciousness will allow you to increase the vibration of your thoughts. Good. Right. <laughs> Furthermore, you will be able to take hold and draw the law of attraction. What? Yeah. <laughs> you will be able to take hold and draw the law of attraction. Right. There you go, Sam. And on that beautiful sentence, 
I think I should wrap up my part of the uh, of the podcast. There you have it. The craziness associated with the pineal gland. So if anyone tells you there's a mass conspiracy by government to stop you from discovering higher realms of being by fluoridating the water, they're probably a twat who consumes far too much apple cider vinegar. Good. If you're a listener, a regular listener, and you like apple cider vinegar, by all means continue to listen <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> How many people do you think we've offended with this podcast? <laughs> I'm getting the feeling probably fairly few. Anti-vaxxers? Given our previous attitudes towards charlatanism. Yeah, we don't want them anyway, do we, wankers? <laughs> Good. Other than bringing in Descartes, I'm going to say that that was a, a, a light stretch on the history. There was basically just a conspiracy it theory that you wanted to talk about, wasn't there? It wasn't very historical, was it? And now that I think about it, it, it was a brief... Yeah, no, it wasn't very historical. <laughs> Looking through my notes, what I actually did was I just got angry about something I read online and decided I wanted to talk about it. But fuck it, we're under no obligation to anyone. I, I know, mate. I'm looking at my notes. I reckon a quarter of my notes are about René Descartes and about a tenth are about this Russian lady, Helena Blavatsky. Very good. So I think it was incredibly historical. <laughs> and and Perfect. And I butchered... A Christmas Carol. You did butcher a Christmas Carol. Do you want to butcher it again? Do you want to reread the Christmas Carol? <clears throat> Tis the season to be horny. That's where you do the tra la la. Tra la 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 la. Girls tone their booty, men get brawny. Fa la 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 la. Oof. It's like Love Island. Blame the pineal gland. Spring is the time to get it on. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Tom, from one musical interlude to another. Of sorts. Now, I've alluded that I'm going to talk about a freak show today. A very funny freak show with rather tragic undertones. Most freak shows do have tragic undertones, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. Now come and look at the disabled boy. <laughs> we disabled this one ourselves. <laughs> this one's mother died during childbirth. Look at him. Come and look at the Siamese twins joined at the face. <laughs> Which one will die first? Place your bets now. <laughs> oh, God. Precisely. Yeah. And so, Tom, obviously I'm talking about a freak show. When and where am I? America. Carnivals. Yes, <laughs> yes I am. 19th century. Close. Mid-20th mid century. But yes, we're going to America again this week. <laughs> which I've done quite a lot recently. I promise I won't do it again for a little while. Are there any corpses? Is there an Elmer McCurdy involved in this? <laughs> well, there aren't any corpses... But there are quite a few zombies and a suicide attempt. Oh, nice. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> because today, Tom, I'm going to talk about the dance marathons of the 1920s and the 1930s in the USA. Yeah. Now, Let me start uh, clicking my fingers. Yeah. Mm, get on down. Now, have you heard of these dance marathons, Tom? I have not heard of the dance marathons. Fantastic. We are the Rather Silly History Podcast. That's our strap line. And these are fucking stupid. Stupid and very much less innocuous than they sound. <laughs> Dance marathon sounds like fun, dancing with the stars, making a bit of money for charity. No, Tom, no. This was in fact a horrendous test of human grit and endurance in the face of absolute desperation. <laughs> Salsa your life away. Absolutely. But it is very funny though, so uh, so I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. I'm really glad I found out about them. So this was really where the idea for modern reality TV came from. You've heard of things like 
uh, Big Brother, haven't you, Tom? Yes. Obviously, we've all heard of Big Brother. A big stage... Well, it's Big, it's big Brother who's responsible for calcifying our pineal glands, Sam. Damn right it is. Big Brother and Deep State. Ah. Ministry of Gland Calcification. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Genuinely, you were talking about fluoridation of water. My favourite film of all time is Doctor Strangelove. Absolutely wonderful film. If you've never seen it, go and see it. The, the background to that is this uh, water uh, fluoridation, purification, brain control conspiracy theory. But yes, a Big Brother and staged sporting events like professional wrestling. Sorry, spoiler alert. Wrestling is occasionally staged. <laughs> I know, that'll come as a shock to most of our audience. God damn God you! damn it! <laughs> it's real to me, man! It's how they it's make their real. money, Tom. It's how they make their money. All the money. Sitting on piles of money. All of this spawned from these dance marathons of the 1920s and 1930s. Have you ever heard of Touch the Truck, by the way? No, but it sounds like <laughs> you for me. It's, it's, it's not even. Touch the Truck is a fucking stupid competition that occasionally rears its head in the USA, where literally there's a truck... And the last person touching the truck wins the truck. So it's a game of endurance. You have to touch the truck for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> is the truck moving? No, no, the truck's not moving. The truck is, is fortunately stationary. Oh, that would make it even more fun. Oh, wouldn't it just? If the truck was on a velodrome. <laughs> element of jeopardy. <laughs> I believe you just created the film Rollerball, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's a simple game. The last person who touches the truck wins the truck. And again, the basis of that is in these dance marathons in the 1920s and 1930s. So how does this game work? So you're literally, you're standing there with your finger on the truck yeah. for months on end until you starve. Yes, what? essentially. Is that, oh, what a ridiculous game. Yeah, it's televised and everything. Oh, sounds fascinating. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> so this all stemmed from this incredible craze of dance marathons in which couples would quite simply dance. And dance. And dance. And dance, as if their lives depended on it. Which occasionally, they actually did. Oh dear. And these were incredible spectator sports. They drew audiences of tens of thousands of people. Uh, because as we all know, Tom, the point of reality TV isn't to watch normal people living their best lives. It's to watch freaks <laughs> struggle to cope with the most basic things and the drama that unfolds, right? Yes, yeah. And if there is one thing we've learned from mid-20th century and 19th century America, it's that Americans love a freak show. <laughs> they love. Oh yeah, if you can find so yeah, if you can find someone vulnerable, yeah, and uh, laugh at them, fucking yeah. Yeah. And this was oh, yeah. the epitome America. <laughs> America. This was the epitome of laughing at the vulnerable <laughs> and watching their lives unravel in front of you. It was horrible. And we'll find out why soon, because it it's so much worse than it sounds. So this craze began in 1923, when a woman called Alma Cummings danced for 27 hours straight, getting through six different dance partners in the process. Now... Amateur. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get, got through seven? Did they all die? Yes, she <laughs> murdered them one by one. <laughs> yeah, she got through six dance partners. She was actually dressed as Henry VIII whilst doing it as well. <laughs> I'm Henry VIII, I am Henry VIII, I am, I am. You don't want to be dance partner number two. <laughs> or five. She danced with six partners over 27 hours, defeated them all. She outdanced them all. And it defeated them. <laughs> her greatest nemesis. nemesis defeated. Is. Finish him. <laughs> number five, she hadoukened. What was her finishing move? Did she sort of go three times off the ropes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she triple suplexed him. 
before getting uh, who's the host of Dancing with the Stars in the US? The Foxtrot Elbow Drop, <laughs> the Tango Slam, <laughs> the Paso Destroyer. Oh my God! God, he's got her in the Charleston choke. <laughs> Jazz hands. Pretty, pretty much that. Uh, now, this was a very exciting time in America because the idea of public dancing had really only just gained traction. America had been a very, very conservative country and public dances were all the rage. You could go out, you could meet a complete stranger who your parents didn't even know. Fuck me. Get out yeah, of here. Yeah, well, literally fuck me. And And you could dance with them, you could meet them. And it was only just becoming morally acceptable in America to do this, which obviously meant there were an awful lot of conservative and religious campaigners who would boycott and protest outside the dance halls. So these competitions obviously took off massively because the one thing you can do to get something really popular is to turn it into a sporting event and ban it. Yeah. That's how you make it happen. So these marathons... That's why I go <laughs> cockfighting every Friday night. Absolutely. Badge yep. baiting on a Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, bear baiting, there is literally no better way to spend a Friday <laughs> evening than at the dog fights. Being surfed by a bear on its heel, on its hind <laughs> legs. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, love a tortured animal. While sitting on the back of a doped up tiger. <laughs> Having journeyed to the venue on the back of a killer whale. <laughs> yeah. Imprison Willie, my favourite <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, so these dance marathons, they were very heavily campaigned against. And they actually branded themselves as quote unquote walkathons to get around local <laughs> bands from councils on these events. <laughs> Don't want to misspell walkathon, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's something else entirely different. Which. The internet tells me may have been turned into a sporting event at some point. I have no idea. Possibly in Japan. Who can say? Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. The I was Japanese making that up. But it was, a, it was considered a, a really good way to earn fame and fortune. If you were a dancer with a bit of endurance on your side, you could tour America, making quite a lot of money at these competitions. Dancers would get sponsored by various companies, so you would get kind of branded up clothing, a bit like sportsmen today. And they were some of the first superstar sportsmen were competitive dancers who were in it for longevity and the idea was very simple you'd have a dance hall you'd have a, a large number of couples and you'd have a big cash prize and off you go the dancers would set off and they would dance and dance and dance and they would not stop the dances tom lasted for literally months at a time Wow! And as the weeks dragged on and the dancers got more and more tired and more and more injured and inherently more argumentative among each other and more desperate to <laughs> <Yeah>. win, <laughs> the crowds would get bigger and bigger and bigger. Audiences would charge 25 cents entrance and they would very, very quickly become invested in their favourite couples, coming back night after night after night to see them dance, to cheer them on, to jeer at their competitors. And the format was very simple. The couples would dance, typically for about 45 minutes, and then normally they'd get 15 minutes break to do anything that they needed to do. Sleep, wash, eat. And that was how it went, for weeks on end. Now, on the surface of it, that kind of sounds okay, because on that basis you end up with six hours off every day. But that six hours off is in 15-minute segments, after which an air horn is blown and you've got 30 seconds to get back on the dance floor or you're out. So you end up... By a giant clown. 
Ah, well, <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, these things were circuses. You had MCs in the middle who would basically be like ringmasters at the circus. And you, what you have to consider, Tom, is that you end up only catching 10 minutes sleep every time you get a break. So 10 minutes sleep every hour. You're already in excruciating pain from hours, days, weeks of dancing and holding up your partner. And when I say holding up, I mean holding up because people got so exhausted, it was completely normal and in fact expected and part of the fun for one of a couple to fall asleep on the dance floor. So couples would work shifts, holding up their partner and continuing to shuffle whilst they slept. The men would hold up the women, and then the women would have to spend two or three hours holding up their significantly heavier male partners whilst they slept. While they were dribbling down the back of their dress. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. In a complete (sighs) zombie state. They would literally just be dragging them around. People shaved on the dance floor. The female partner would hold up a mirror whilst the male shaved himself whilst they're foxtrotting around. They eat. (laughs) (laughs) they'd eat on the dance floor Paso Dobleing with a subway (laughs) they would write letters home whilst waltzing some of the female dancers would pass the time by knitting items whilst dancing around which they'd then sell to the punters for a bit of extra cash and this is what people paid to see they didn't go to see the dancing because dancing's boring they came to see the freaks dragging their... Especially when the dancers are fucking knackered. Yeah, well this is the thing they came to see comatose people dragging their sleeping partners around a stifling hot gym, desperately trying not to drop them before the next rest break. That sounds like one of my circuit classes. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds very much like a hit session. (laughs) Sounds like F45. Yeah, sounds sounds like CrossFit. (laughs) Just without the twats. Oh, quite. Sorry, did I nick your punchline? Sorry. Yeah, you did. You you and I both took quite a lot of of sports classes in our time. (laughs) This is quite similar, but just for weeks. (laughs) And quite often, competitors would go what they called squirrely after several days, which meant that sleep deprived... They would hide their nuts. (laughs) It's funny because it's rude. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I was trying, I was trying else to think of where I could go with that, but no, we'll leave it as it was. It's funny. <laughs> it was just because I referenced your testicles. That was the only reason it was funny. <laughs> Which, by the way, after several days of dancing, I imagine were not fresh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Salted nuts. <laughs> Indeed. But yet, after several days, competitors would go squirrely which meant that they would start hallucinating on the dance floor. They would have conversations with imaginary friends. They'd grin wildly at nothing. And they would be grabbing in the air at things that weren't there. And that, Tom, was considered the height of entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) At these things. Photos of people going squirrely would be appearing in local newspapers to try and draw more punches. This is ridiculous. Now, all of this stuff, all of the, the sleeping on the dance floor, the eating on the dance floor, the going mad, would happen during the quiet daylight hours when the crowds were sparse and music just came off the gramophone. It came off a jukebox. At night, when the stalls were packed, and I mean packed, there would be jive bands playing all night and at high tempo. The heat would be unbearable in these gymnasiums and the dancers would really be expected to put on a show. Rest breaks would be cancelled for hours on end, so you'd be on your feet literally dancing away for four or five hours, trying not to fall asleep or sprain something. Uh, Horrible injuries, by the way, were very common. Sprains, twists, shattered bones in the feet. Illness would spread around because you'd be in a packed room for months at a time before 
antibiotics for everything. Corns, bunions, even a form of trench foot were all incredibly common and led to crowds whooping and hollering as increasingly desperate people hobbled around on the dance floor trying to make it look like they were dancing. (laughs) Whilst they were actually just leaping from foot to foot trying to numb the excruciating pain. (laughs) And then, Tom, then, as if that wasn't enough of a show... There was the scripted drama. Oh, like, like WWE. Like WWE, absolutely. Like professional wrestling. Yeah. This is where that really comes in, because the organisers were not stupid. They knew how to market their freak shows and how to bring in a crowd. And there's a couple of things they would do. They would hire famous dancers to pretend to be amateur couples who, uh, it would just so happened, could immediately jitterbug like there was no tomorrow. So that was one way to get people in. And they'd also hire in actors as couples to deliberately start fights on the dance floor <laughs> and steal each other's partners get involved in scripted romantic trysts brilliant and they would have massive full on fights on the dance floor to bring in crowds in which people would literally be lumping each other <laughs> kicking each other stepping on each other's toes <laughs> with a numb bunion with a numb bunion absolutely but they were basically paid plants and that wasn't the worst of it tom that wasn't the worst of what they do to bring in the crowds no tom that was the derbies as if fighting and dancing wasn't enough, they would hold special challenges. Right. <laughs> Woo! These would sometimes be literal races around the gymnasium, like sprints or bleep tests <laughs> for sleep-deprived couples. <laughs> couples would quite often find themselves blindfolded or chained together, or indeed to other couples, and be forced to dance. With, like, weights or blindfolds on them for hours on end. What the hell? The music would unexpectedly get faster and the MC would shout out, Spread! And they'd have to dance in time with the beat or be disqualified. The rest breaks would get shorter and shorter and shorter, so you'd find yourself dancing for an hour with a five-minute sleep break. Partners would be forced to carry each other around for hours on end. In fact, sometimes you had to fireman carry. As one of the challenges, you had to fireman carry your partner for hours. The worst one was probably sometimes the dance floor would be shrunk and increasingly small circles would be drawn around the couples, which they weren't allowed to leave, sometimes for a couple of days. So the circle would shrink every hour until literally you were dancing on the spot, unable to move. Absolutely horrendous. If an, like The psychological impact of that must have just been unbelievable. If an exhausted dancer wouldn't wake up from their 15-minute or increasingly shorter rest periods... The women would be slapped until they woke up (laughs) and the men would be picked up and dropped in a bath of ice. (laughs) I mean, fucking hell. (laughs) I love love the 1930s sexism associated with slapping a woman awake. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. She's a pretty broad, but she's very sleepy. (laughs) She needs a polite little waking up. (laughs) Oh, it was awful. It sounds absolutely horrendous and... There are dozens, because these were major media opportunities, the photos of this happening are unbelievable, horrible. It was like Battle Royale. And it went on for night after night after night, month after month. And this is where it gets really quite sad, because most of the people in these competitions, certainly during the Depression era, from 1929 onwards, where people were really desperate, well, they weren't professional dancers. They were quite often starving unemployed homeless people being taken advantage of by event organisers. Hey! <laughs> well, this is partly why it's so popular because there was an element of schadenfreude 
or Schadenfreude, the people who were paying to see these dancers, they weren't paying to see glitzy, glamorous professional dancers. They were poor people paying to see poorer people <laughs> to remind themselves that it could be worse. <laughs> oh, God. That they weren't the freak show here. So the prize money at these events was usually around $500, which is equivalent to around $7,000 US today. And that was about four months' wages for the average person in the US at the time, if you were lucky enough to have a job. But quite often, these dancers... <laughs> well, lasted for longer. <laughs> yeah, they quite often lasted for longer than four months. Uh, the longest dance time went on for six full months. Ugh. And actually, the only two or three top couples would make any money at all. Now, most people knew... In fact, that they wouldn't stand a chance of winning. The professionals hired in by the event promoters would always end up taking the cash because they'd done this before. They knew what they were doing. They knew the tricks, the tips. They could take the drugs that would keep them awake. Yeah. So most people who signed up to these events did not sign up to win. They signed up because they were desperate and it was a chance to spend some time indoors if you were homeless. They were fed very well, food was provided, and there was a bed for a few short minutes every so often. It really was absolutely horrible. It was like that very short-lived craze of hobo fighting where people would pay homeless yeah. people to fight and put it on the internet. It was it was that level of degrading. And the show organisers knew this and they played up to that every so often to make the audience feel sad and bring in some of the kind of more emotional tension. They would hold what they called silver showers, not to be confused with golden showers, which again is something else you'll find on the internet, uh, or in Russian hotel rooms, courtesy of the US president. <laughs> uh, they'd hold silver showers, where starving couples were literally pelted with coins and bits of food, which they could supposedly then send home to their starving kids, who wouldn't see their parents for months, remember. Quite often, however, these silver showers would actually be swept up by the event organisers and the family was, would never see a cent. They would still be at home starving and the dancers would think that the money was, was going to their families. Uh, in fact, the showrunners would actually often scarper and leave town without paying anyone at all, including the winners, on the rare occasions when an amateur couple scooped the cash. As soon as the competition was over, especially in small-town America where they knew people wouldn't be wise to the scam, they'd up and leave. They'd go. Wouldn't pay for the venue wouldn't pay for the concession stands, wouldn't pay the winners, they'd go. Uh, it's estimated that during the kind of 10 years or so that the events were popular, almost every city in the US with at least 50,000 people hosted a dance. Uh, those who hadn't held one before were known as virgin spots or virgin towns and were ripe pickings for scammers. And as I said, the audiences, much like they were for most reality TV shows, they weren't the wealthy elite laughing at the poor. They were poor people looking for a bit of entertainment in the night. So they would go and see some even poorer people dancing comatose like zombies or being chained together and forced to parade and perform for the public's amusement. They essentially went out to laugh at people who were worse off than them. That's awful, isn't it? It was horrible. And the craze lasted until 1931 when a combination of factors saw them largely banned. Firstly, movie theatre owners in towns were sick of these shows coming in and costing them lots of lost patrons for six months of the year so they started lobbying the councils religious and moral campaigners claimed the dancers were hotbeds of iniquity and louche behavior with dance moves that shouldn't be seen in public so they started lobbying more successfully as well and got some of them banned but the final straw for the reputation of these marathons was really the attempted suicide of a woman following a competition in seattle where she danced for 19 straight days, including two or three towards the end without any sleep at all, and she only placed fifth, so she didn't get a penny. Ugh. And she attempted suicide afterwards. So these events 
contributed to them being banned increasingly in cities and states throughout the US. And although they continued until the late 1930s, really by the end of it, they were pretty backwater things. You know, a bit like cockfighting and dogfighting. It was it was something that was just seen as incredibly dirty and scummy. But there you go. Absolutely horrible events. And they've largely been forgotten now, but they were actually a source of huge controversy in the years following their kind of fade out and banning. They were really kind of shown up as examples of the worst of human behaviour. And in fact, there's an Oscar-winning film, uh, the 1969 movie They Shoot Horses, Don't They?, which is based on the 1935 novel of the same name, which kind of brought them back into public consciousness a bit. And that was the movie that really made Jane Fonda as an actress. So they were turned into... Oh, is that right? Yeah, so it was turned into a film, but has since been largely forgotten. So there you go, possibly the worst sporting craze of all time. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That really is ridiculous. Horrible. And really we, horrible. One of our episodes, one of our earlier episodes, I talked about early uh, cycling events yes, in the velodrome. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's same era and the same sort of thing, isn't it? Just although actually not nowhere near as bad, but just ridiculous feats of endurance. Yes, just drug-fueled endurance. <laughs> yeah, and people just wanting to see someone else suffer. Yeah. Forcing you to cycle around a velodrome for 3 weeks. Yeah. Without stopping. Ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely horrible. Really, really, really horrible. But there we go. I don't know what to say about that, Sam. Fortunately, we live in more enlightened times, Tom. Now we just touch the truck and laugh at the freaks on Big Brother. <laughs> Touching the truck. I'm going to have to research this. <laughs> While you were talking, I actually Googled it. and I've been looking at pictures. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally, there's hundreds of pictures online. And we'll try, if I remember to, I'll post them on social media as well. Let me make a note to do that. Post pictures of sleeping people. There are hundreds of pictures of people... <laughs> Take photos of sleeping people. <laughs> Share photos of sleeping neighbours. <laughs> and on that note, Tom, I'm done. So I'm going to let you go to bed because you're sleep deprived enough too. But before I do, we should think of a topic for next week, shouldn't we? I live my life sleep deprived. <laughs> Don't you worry about me. Good to hear. Uh, yes, what, uh, next week. What that, that was fascinating, Sam. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Very, very interesting. My pleasure. And thousands of poverty-stricken Americans pay. <laughs> I was thinking, Tom, maybe we should do revenge next week. And the reason I was thinking this, Tom, is because I've got a story that I really want to talk about. <laughs> is that, uh, okay, okay. I, I think revenge is a fantastic idea. That's a very good idea. We could definitely find yeah. something with that. I'm amazed it's taken us this long to do historical revenge, actually. <laughs> I yeah, mean, we have I covered think you're it. Right, I think this is going to be a very, very easy one. Yeah, we have covered it. I think we could do health again. We could do health again. God, yeah, I think so. Well, when are we going to start repeating? Because I think we could do journeys again. There's a lot of good ones that we could do. Yeah, again. definitely. Uh, but, well, I have covered revenge slightly in the past. In foul play, I did a great revenge story. Olga of Kiev. Go check our episode on foul play out oh, because that oh. is. <laughs> Killer yeah. fucking revenge. That involved two trees, didn't it, being tied down? It involved two trees <laughs> and a very, very unpleasant way to die. Yeah. Followed by lots of innocent civilians dying. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. Right, on that note, revenge next week and then we'll start repeating some possibly. Journeys again and things like that. Because we've been going for nearly a year now. I know. And isn't it been really nice to have so many new listeners? It has. So hello to all of our new listeners. If you uh, haven't subscribed to us yet, please do. Makes a huge difference. And uh, do leave us a nice review, leave a nice comment. And if you like, follow us on social media. You can uh, see some pictures of the freak show dancers. (laughs) 
We are on Instagram and Facebook. You can search for That Was Genius Podcast or at That Was Genius. And we're on Twitter as well at that underscore was underscore genius. So do go check us out. Give us a follow. Uh, you can even send us an email if you like. Fuck it. Why not? We are That Was Genius Cast at gmail.com. Good work. Ah. We love hearing from you. We do love hearing from you. Yes. And in the meantime, have a fantastic week and we will see you again soon. Say goodbye, Tom. Bye. Bye.